0: Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday role-playing game. In this case, I am running a Shadow Dark RPG campaign, I don't know how long it's going to be, called The Gloaming, which is based on the Curse Scroll 1 zine published by Arcane Library for Shadow Dark, for the Shadow Dark RPG. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to the City of Arches sourcebook, Uncovered Secrets of Volume one and two, a dedicated Discord server, a monthly Q and A, and a whole lot more to the patrons of SlyFlares. Thank you so much for your outstanding support. So I've now run my first full non-zero level Shadow Dark adventure with first level characters doing first level things for an entire session it's really like my, my third session of Shadow Dark but it's my fur. it was my first full non-zero level gauntlet style adventure and it brought up lots of thoughts it, it, it has it has made me really think about role-playing games is really made me think about running shadow dark and how i typically run games what the lazy dm style is like what works what doesn't we're going to talk all about that kind of stuff today while we dig into the while we dig into my prep for for my game today but also kind of thinking about what happened in the last session because i have lots of i have lots of thoughts about it and we're gonna we're gonna dig into those in the last session the characters had made their way to the ruined watchtower so this is the area map for the mini campaign setting known as the Gloaming, which is available in Cursed Scroll 1, the zine from one of the one of the three kind of shadow dark zines. And it has a big hex map. And in the first hex that we I decided I was going to start the campaign was in this place called the Ruined Watchtower, which you can see the right in area 102 in the upper left corner. And there's no real story about it, right? There's not a lot there. So I was like, I kind of want to add my own little story to it. So I sort of tied it to this idea of the, the the marrow guy. This creature called the Marrow Fiend, a wolfish hulk of razor bone and sinewing muscle, black marrow tree sap drips from its jaws and the gaps in its bony plating. I don't, I'm having trouble even understanding exactly what that's like, but maybe that's better. Maybe like the idea that we can't really explain exactly what it looks like makes it scarier and stuff. It can do devouring, it can, you know, devour and sap. Two claws plus seven to hit 1d10 each, that's very lethal. And sap gout, near line, so really cool. Idea. So I was like, we're going to take this idea of the marrow fiend, which has ties to the bandits as well. There's a whole bandit camp, and the bandits are sort of tied into the the marrow fiend. And so I definitely want to tie that in, and I did. So instead of it just being the ruined watchtower, it was a ruined. It was a tower that included the whole concept of this of this idea called the marrow fiend. And I've got some really kind of fun imagery that I want to put into the dungeon. So the characters met with a bunch of bandits, they fought some bandits, they had a bunch of shenanigans outside involving a dire wolf that's wandering around the outside of the tower and they tried to have negotiations with this bandit captain and she was actually willing to negotiate. But they were like, "Oh, we really don't trust you." And then it ended up in a big bow fight. And two our, we had a caster character who managed to pull off burning hands twice and killed four of like the Five bandits with two blasts, and that did a significant amount of damage to them. And then they met the dwarf, who was they met the dwarf who pretended to be in love with the bandit captain and she actually, the dwarf wasn't in love with the bandit captain. It was just like, no, I was just trying to get them to go down in there to get this weird, creepy idol that exists under the, in the ruins underneath this tower because it's really dangerous down there. But maybe you guys could go do it. By the way, we need to get this idol because it's really dangerous and apparently the bandits are trying to get a hold of this and we don't know why, but also it's really valuable. So that way you kind of have like two motivations to get the idol. One, it's it's powerful and dangerous. I guess three. It's powerful, it's dangerous, and it's valuable. So they went down into the ruins beneath. I called it the Shattered Tower of, of Marrow, and then we have the Tower Ruins of Marrow. And that is pretty good. And this is the map that we're using for this. And I kind of wrote out my inhabitants and things like that. So they made their way down the, I think I have this in Albert Rodeo too. Yeah, so I have this in Owlbear Rodeo, uh, which works out really well. Uh, I know that uh, Kelsey, who made Shadow Dark RPG, uses Albert Rody herself, and using the general tokens I think works well because, like, I don't have time to make tokens for all these guys, and nobody nobody complained. So they went down this main area. They kind of peeked through. They saw that there's a big cavern here, but then they went around through the other door. Lots of discussion about which door they're going to go into. They found I think these were all dead bodies. These didn't these these skulls lying here were dead bodies that they found and this big thing in the corner was a effigy, an effigy to the, the marrow fiend and then they went back and they were examining a corpse that they had found of one of the bandits and the corpse bloated up and then exploded and giant wasps came out of it, which I, I took right from. There was an Amazon series what was it called? Oh God, I can't remember about them finding weird mammoths in the ice and everybody got a weird disease and it was really good Damn, can't remember the name of it. And so I really liked that idea. But it did, but that that scene brought up one of my, I had sort of a, a, a crisis of faith because of the way that that happened and the way that i modified what happened and whether i'm being true to shadow dark or whether i'm falling back to my traditional ways of running of running rpgs and that's something that we're going to talk about today so we so that's where it ended it ended i I like to end on cliffhangers and to them getting attacked by a bunch of giant wasps was a good cliffhanger and i was pretty excited for that now the one tricky bit is that giant wasps are really hard when there's they're still first level and it was kind of a random encounter and it was a random encounter that was legitimately triggered. So I was rolling the, I was rolling every three round or every two rounds, I think, cause it was pretty dangerous down here. And, and I rolled, but the random roll that I hit was like dwarves are fixing up a wall down here. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I want to roll something different. So I roll so I, I didn't roll again. I just went up one and said, Oh, hey, the giant wasps are making a nest. And I said, Okay, the giant wasps are making a mess. And, and I immediately said, ooh, you know what's cooler? Instead of making a nest in the corner. What if they were actually in, like harvesting the dead body that they were? They they had in, injected, and giant wasps were growing inside these dead bodies. I'm like, that's really cool and creepy and weird. So I'm going to do that. But what that inadvertently had done is that that meant that the wasps were right on top of the characters, instead of far away. So instead of me rolling on the distance table, which you're supposed to do, I just had it happen right there in front of them. And I'm not going to have the wasps like lazily fly away. Now you can definitely say like, well, when the wasps get injured, they might flee and that, that can work. You know, The idea that the wasps are there, they're dangerous, but they can flee. That's okay. But anyway, my point is they're level two. I also, I think I rolled to determine the number of wasps and I rolled like five and I'm like five is just going to wipe them out. Like five 5 isn't cool. Let's narrow it down to three. And so I cut it down to three, which again means I've got my finger on the scale. Like I'm tweaking things, right? I'm not following the shadow dark ideals of like you roll and you do what happens. But I already wasn't because I already had the wasps show up right on top of them. Now I'm pretty sure, again, if I was to have a conversation with Kelsey about it that she would be like yeah right that's totally fine like you know sure do what's fun I don't you know people don't need to hang on to the style of this game so much that you're like oh you're violating the principles of of Shadow Dark if you reduce it from five to three wasps but there's a little bit of, like, I want to kind of make sure that I'm that I'm understanding how the game is supposed to work, and then I'm bringing some of my ideals over. And we had a little conversation about this in Discord, and people are like, well, yeah, you're just running like 5e. But 5e doesn't even run that way. Like, that's still me. Like, that's just the way I run games. It's not necessarily how 5e runs games. 5e doesn't say, oh, yeah, make sure to tweak the number of monsters based on the situation, or based on the pacing of the game. That's my, that's my advice, right, is that you, you tweak the number of monsters based on the pacing of the game. So, and that's what i did and and there's another thing which like even three wasps at level two is going to be pretty hard for five five characters that are first level now the nice thing is that the the giant wasp doesn't necessarily kill characters it could poison them and then they could like fall unconscious and maybe get you know kind of they could wait you know one of them could wake up while the other ones are being harvested and maybe they're being deadly but they they essentially could get a second chance rather than just being wiped out outright by the giant wasps. now somebody might die and that's okay people are supposed to die in in shadow shadow dark so yeah so all that sort of brought up this idea of like where what should we be dorking with what should we not be dorking with you know what's true to the style of the game and where are we bringing in our mannerisms my mannerisms my style and is it getting in the way? I don't think my style gets in the way. I think I could use, I'm pretty confident like looking at the game, reading the game, having run a couple of sessions, I'm pretty sure I could run this like I run any other RPG and it would be totally fine. But I also want to make sure that I'm getting the gist of like how this is going to run before I put too much of my own ideas on there. And some of my ideas are like really straightforward. There's a house rule that I'm going to do just because it's like I've got enough bookkeeping and there's a fair bit of bookkeeping that occurs in this game. So one of the things I'm not going to track is like, not. I don't, they don't call it inspiration, I think they call it luck. I think it's called luck in this, and everybody's going to start with one. So at the beginning of every session, at the beginning of every session, everybody gets one, and then I don't have to worry about divvying them out as often as the book states. I can just maybe on occasion it will happen, but I'm not. And then they can only have one. Same way as inspiration. That's just one thing that just makes my life a little easier. I, I, I already do that that way in five E, and it works a lot better in five E when they already start with it. And that way I don't have to worry about it because I got enough to worry about. I got I got I'm busy. I'm busy doing things. So that is where it began. One of the things that I want to talk about today as well while we're digging into this is what a dungeon design is like for Shadow Dark. Like, what is a Shadow Dark dungeon design like? And how does that fit with the style that I use to run dungeons and, and to design dungeons? And, and there's a little bit of a, of a, I think, a little bit of a difference there as well that we're going to examine. So I'm going to start a new session planning template today is the third and we have our characters click on the characters bug juice buckminster bohannon a dwarf wizard adept was a wolf child smartest dwarf to ever walk among the realms a touch cowardly scraggly beard young and with a big comb over the a beard comb over and Bug Juice is the one that managed to pull off two burning hands and, and did really well. Sirwin, an elf priest-seeker outcast, came to the gloaming looking for a new community. Priest of Geddy, the elf god, seeking a new community. Generally looks average, a little rough between sources of bathing. We have Daisy, a goblin thief thug. Morrigan Nightweaver, elf warlock, who follows Shun the, Vire, Shun the Vile, the mother witch, and is branded as such. Her mother was burned at the stake at Marrow's Hold, and then the hold branded Morgan and shunned her with the Mark of Sun. so everybody would know who she is. She, her goal is to raise her magical powers, get some money, and survive. She's thin and tall and looks like, a little bit like a lich. She's bringing the... Whenever she walks around, you hear the rattle of dry bones. Thallos, a hero or hero of the day dwarf priest healer young, young for a dwarf a bit naive an acolyte of tarakness i should probably look up who tarakness is and th- things things are bad and wanted to get out into the field part of a traveling group but they all died because of him aimless and not experienced in the in the not experienced in the in the world oh, in the top world because he's because he's a dwarf so that's our those are our characters and again the characters are a bit ephemeral so I'm not digging too deep into the backgrounds of characters and stuff like that. I think it would be fun to look up who Tarakniss is, though. So we're going to do that in the Shadow Dark RPG. They have a a gods section, I'm pretty sure. Deities. Maybe it's not Tarakniss. It's Saint Tarakniss. Legendary knight who is the patron of most lawful humans. She ascended to godhood long ago and is the embodiment of righteousness and justice. Yeah, so that's a good. I like that. Like the deities are. It's two pages, and it's like you know, two hundred and fifty words, right? That's so. One thing about this game is like, boy, you're not going to waste a lot of time reading it because there's. I mean, you're, you're you're you know, there's not much to read. It's really really fast. It's really quick to read this. We have a new character coming today as well. I don't know anything about him, so we're gonna have a little bit of an intro today to learn to learn what's going on. And, and what, so one thing I want to make clear, all of this, my talk about like how to have monsters pop up and and do I have my thumb on the scale and all that. None of this is complaining about the game itself. Like the game I have, if I have any complaints about the game so far, and why would you dig into the complaint? I'm, I'm really enjoying it. My players are really enjoying it. We really dig it. And I love the writing and I love the style. I love the simplicity. There are definitely things I notice about it that aren't complaints. It's just the way the game is. And, and it's not. It's not antithetical to how I want to run a game. But, like, the math is really flat. It's flatter, way flatter than 5e. But that makes sense. And that's not a problem. It means your die rolls matter a lot more. That's an observation, not a complaint. My only complaints are that, like, there's a bit of bookkeeping. Keeping track of the timers on torches. Keeping track of rounds from round to round. And making sure that you're constantly counting the rounds so that you know when to drop your random encounters. And the always staying in initiative order and kind of walking through. Those are bits of sort of mechanical bookkeeping that you always need to be doing. And it's just added things to everything else that I'm kind of doing. So in that sense, like, you know, that's that that's taking a bit. Now, one thing is like, I'm pretty sure, and this, again, is this going against the design of, of, of Shadow Dark? Probably a little bit. I could not track rounds and instead just have random encounters go when I feel like things are getting slow. Now, then you have your thumb on the scale, definitely, and that's that. Like, hey, you're you're now making judgments about about things instead of having sort of the the, the randomness of the situation roll things. But yeah, that's what I'm for. That's why there's a GM. So I don't know that that's completely like, oh god, that's the end of the end of everything. And I think like you would need to track rounds if you have people that are using timers for things. Like if 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 people are casting spells that last a certain amount of time, or they're using they have an effect that lasts a certain amount of time, you'd want to keep track of that. You know, so you could, you could kind of just not pay attention. Same with initiative. Like you could just run initiative the same standard way, which is you don't generally worry about initiative till you're actually in combat and then you have people roll. Cause you have people roll anyway. Now it's not bad to keep a list of the characters and walk through the list of the characters while you're going through scenes. And I do that. I'm probably hanging on to it a little tight. You probably don't need to worry about it that much. I run a lots of other games and that, that part of it, that making the spotlight problem is not really that big a problem for me so i don't know how much energy i need to be spending on making sure that we're constantly staying in turn order so those are a couple things where it's like i probably don't need to worry about them too much maybe i'm hanging on too tight right but those are those are areas where they're 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 fundamental mechanics of shadow dark that are designed to solve problems that like 5e has which is that you can definitely have certain players who dominate the spotlight if you don't have if you aren't continually walking through the list of characters to make sure everybody's getting their time in the sun including outside of combat or npc npc interaction scenes and stuff like that and then the other one like the reason why random encounters and turn tracking matters is to make sure that you're constantly moving the pacing forward so it's it's designed because things can get slow if characters are spending too much time doing exploration and stuff like that now you have this this avenue this vehicle to kind of keep them moving forward that's cool and then the torchlight is the same way the torch a torchlight is another way to kind of keep them moving forward keep keep the initiative going and keep the speed going so it's very clear that one of the goals of Shadow Dark is that speed that pacing, that movement and that's really an answer to games that don't have that movement but there are other answers too because my games don't feel particularly slow I don't think, sometimes they do I have some players who are like oh yeah that was really long and boring because you you know, it, but it was really fun for these other people because they got to spend a lot of time doing this kind of stuff they do so I don't know but that's probably my only, my only complaint right now Is really that I do think also that characters are really really weak and, and when you're rolling for hit points And you get like two Boy like I mean anything can knock you out And I, I guess that's the idea But that, that, that feels really flat to me hit points or something if i was house ruling if i was like i'm gonna dive in with house rules starting with max hit points at level one would probably be a big one and then maybe letting people take the average hit points instead of having to roll for hit points would be another one and but i might be a dick and say it's average minus 0.5 rather than plus 0.5 so instead of fifth edition which gives you that average plus a half a point like if you're rolling a if you have a d6 for your hit die you get four i would make it three and that way it's like well it's a little less than average so you can roll instead of taking the average but the average is a little less than the average i don't know strong start giant wasps a new character joins the group where to next that's our strong start scenes the continued exploration of the ruins the tower ruins of marrow recovery of the idol and it'll be the idol of the marrow lord is that what that guy was called the marrow fiend that's cool i think it's gonna be really spiny and spiky return to and what is the name of the town wardenwood return to wardenwood and then we're going to try the downtime spend that gold and then i want to have some options for the next adventures and I want to pick three. This is this is something we should probably spend a a, a a good deal, not a good deal, but like a fair bit of time on today in our prep. Is this is that thinking? You know, they call it like thinking two horizons out. I I don't know if they'll even necessarily get past this dungeon today, but they may. And if they do, I want to have an idea of what the next three options are. So I'm probably going to follow a model for the campaign here that I found in uh, Dragon of Ice Spire Peak by Chris Perkins, that was the D&D Essentials Kit adventure. And I really like this model. And the way the model works is you have an introduction starting adventure that gets everybody kind of familiar with what's going on. And they can go to town and then you offer up three other places that they can go. And they pick one of those and then they complete that and they come back and they have another place of those three that they can go. And then they go that one. And then the third one is thrown out. So they've basically avoided one of them twice. That one is thrown out and then three new ones come out. And that way you always sort of have like a choice between two to three adventures. You, it, It's actually very, you know, it's, it's it's very conservative in the total number of locations that you need to create. Because you're really, you're only throwing out one out of every three that they don't go to. And then two of the three they end up going to so you're not wasting a lot of a lot of effort you know most of the most of the stuff you create you end up running and and it's and it gives a lot of options and a lot of good times for the characters so i think one of the options could be investigate the the bandit the bandit place let's see the outlaw camp the red thorn outlaw camp why do they want the idol so that's that's one good clear mission they could they could visit Drusilla. Uh, that could be an option is visit Drusilla's hut. I don't know if there's like a full adventure there. Although they could, you know, Drusilla could be particularly interested in what they're doing. That could be that could be kind of fun. Did I spell it right? Is it with a Z? Drusilla, yeah. So that's an option that they could do. And what else? Let's take a look at our map. So Wardenwood is, is 307. What's 108? The Mossy Menrears. So this could be tied Mossy standing stones form a circle. Each new moon, the earth inside sprouts dandelions of pure silver that Drazilla harvests. That's kind of fun. 203. Where's that? The marker stone. Tall pointed stone bears an ancient mark in a spiral shape. In the earth beneath it, four whites lie in stone coffins. Each has a different gemstone in its own mouth. Pearl, emerald, ruby, and sapphire. Slotting these gems into four worn grooves in each of the cardinal points of the marker stone opens a magical portal to the Fey Realm. That's kind of cool. I don't know if that's a the place they need to visit right now. There's a troll cave, Barber, Barbarog. Addicted to toxic oil and the marrow tree roots. I, don't, I think that will be a fun another quest forward. Outlaw camp, uh, we have Uncle Grigor, Stone Circle, 807. So we probably don't want to go too far out. That stone circle. They could visit the stone circle, and I might change it to commune with, and we'll we'll pick the god that one of the players chose. We could like to commune with the gods, right? We'll just say to commune with the gods, and that would open up a new quest. But there could be like somebody else there. We could we could do some other we could do some other stuff there. So that that offers some. Is there any other kind of dungeony sort of places? Let's just let's just take a look further and see if there's any other dungeony sort of places. Uncle Grigor. 209 was that's the troll cave, yeah. 702 is Bittermold Keep. We could send them off to. I I think Bittermold Keep is intended. Is that intended for first level characters? I don't know that it's. It says first level. So we could another quest. Maybe I don't know if we want to put this here, but our dwarf friend, whose name is what, Danelle Corrent. Danel Corrent is the name. Knows of even greater trether, in bitter mold in bitter mold keep so that's four kind of potential options about where they could go afterwards my hope is that near the end of a session that's when they would make a choice like this and then i that would give me a little a little time and energy to sort of find maps and come up with stuff although i could probably run these i could probably improvise these pretty easily so that works so what are some secrets and clues let us I actually just wrote an article about this for monday we can look at what secrets and clues we had last time that we did not use red thorn bandits serve greaves redborn and outcast knight of saint yidris i don't know if they had done that Denel current love Struck, isn't really in love yes trying to get them to kill off the monsters to get the idol long ago a cult of black marrow worshiped a powerful creature called under beneath this tower we did not learn that the green knights the predecessors i did not spell predecessors right of uh, the Knights of Saint Andres, sacked the tower and put the Marrow cult to the sword and torch. The Marrow cult were shapeshifters like the thing. The idol of Black Marrow is very valuable and potentially very dangerous. They did learn that. Greaves Redthorn sent Rianne, uh, uh, Sent Rhiann Dusklover. They did learn that. Rhiann found out that Donnell knew the location of the idol. She had uh, I'd hoped that the dwarf recovered. The hope, yep. The Meyer Castle ruins, soaring stronghold of the Green Knights, now sits deserted. Hazy light filtered through the shattered stained glass windows, sling wires. I think they learned that, and I think I screwed it up, and but I think i managed to pull it back in time. Let's see. the cursed knights of Saint Idris are the knights of Saint Idris are cursed knights who walk the path of Saint. Idris, the unholy and possessed. They embrace the darkness in order to fight at cleansing evil. They did learn that. So there's a handful of these. We can grab these, we can grab these three. Drop those into my secrets. And we will grab, uh, I think they, they did learn that one, so I don't need that one. And the Red Thorn Bandits, they, they know that one too. So really there's just those three, those three that they learned. Undeluck is a powerful creature drawn from an unholy realm. Uh, if you had like a thing called the Marrow Fiend, could the unholy realm itself be called the Marrow? The world of the Marrow. Bleeding into this world, you can smell it in the air and feel it in the deep roots of the marrow trees. I think that's fun. The green knights, I think I am repeating myself a little bit. Uh, yeah, green knights are predecessors to the knights who they sacked the tower and put the marrow cult to the sword and torch. The marrow cult didn't just burn, they melted their bodies are different than typical mortals <sighs> that's a cool one more than one unholy influence curses the gloaming a land cursed by three foul gods the foul gods are undeluk the marrow fiend the what is it Ooh, mugdlob blob mugdol Blob. The primordial ooze, mug blob. And the willow man is kind of a, the twisted willow man. Oops, that's the wrong one. What is this? A murderous, the murderous fae, the willow man, the murderous fae guardian. And so there's four, because there's also the creature that the St. Saint, saint Yidris is buried beneath St. Yidris, the cursed. Call him the cursed king or the cursed saint. Yeah, that's cool. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I need three more secrets. What other secrets could they learn down in the depths? The Marrow cultists opened a gateway to Marrow. Though the green knights attempted to close the gate, it remains open like a festering wound. What would it take to close the gate? Only the, what would they have to do? The idol is the key to the doors, to the gates of Marrow. Can be used to both open and close them. At least two gates exist. Three gates exist. One in the ruins, one in the bandit, in the grandfather tree, in the bandit camp and one in the cave of the were the werewolf isn't there a six-eyed werewolf the bone cave is in 103 but wasn't there a six-eyed where's the six-eyed werewolf make sure i get this right outlaw camp 16 wolves the wolf cave 1409 far to the east far to the southeast one wolf is favored by the demon prince alma i think we might change that to Another, or uh, what's to say the demon prince Almazat isn't from Marrow? Is there an Almazat? Wolf headed archdemon with six eyes and six horns. Almazat seeks to wrest the sands of the ages from his father, Kytheros. Yeah, so I was saying one is the gate of Almazat and the wolf caves near the. Wolf caves are 1409, near the henge, near the corrupted henge. Yeah, that's cool. So we got like a little, some secrets and a quest about three gates, the gates that are connecting this world to the world of Marrow. The world of Marrow is the home of Almazat, home of six. We have information about Almazat. There. Cool. So we got some good stuff. I don't know if they're going to investigate the Redthorn Outlaw Camp or Drusilla's Hut or the Stone Circle, which are kind of the next paths that they would take which I guess are, you know, they're not, like, those aren't going to be, I mean, the the stone circle to commune with the god, are there any dungeons here? 807, is that where the whites are? No. Yeah, no, so there's no, there is no dungeon there. So are those enough for a, 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 a day of adventure? They, investigating the Red Thorn Outlaw Camp is an overland area. Drusilla's Hut is an overland area. The Stone Circle is an overland area. And then there's Bitter Mold Keep, of course. So I probably don't need to do it right now, but at some point I could be like, okay, well, what are the other dungeons of this place? I guess you don't really bother to build out a dungeon until you know that, that you're, you're going to go there. But I could do a little fantastic location here and we'll, we'll create a new place and we'll say Dungeons of the Gloaming. That way I've got a list of potential dungeons to fill out later. So we have the troll cave. We can actually go right through the list. Do, do, do. It's just, a, this is a bit of extra homework. Like it's not really helping with my next session, but it's helping me get my hands around what's going on in the future. And then it makes it easier for me to drop in quests and then decide which ones I'm gonna fill out with an actual thing. The mossy Menrears. I don't think that one does not have a dungeon. The marker stones 203. That could have a crypt, or a, that could have cairn. What are they called? Yeah, crypts beneath cairns. A troll cave. The outlaw camp probably doesn't have a dungeon. We could have a. There could be a dungeon underneath the outlaw camp. Let's see. Troll cave is two hundred nine. The outlaw camp is five hundred nine. And we could have a. This the the dungeon would be like the rotted roots that could be a fun like like the roots are all rotted out underneath and it's down there is where the archway is that needs to be closed with the that needs to be closed with the the idol bitter mold keep of course 702 uncle Grigor, probably not stone circle probably not Haldrin's tower yeah so Haldrin's tower could be a dungeon a little bit of magic there the barrow mounds 910 where's that dozens of low rolling hills mark the tombs of ancient denizens of the forest mr and the bogs of these burial sites and right yeah Barrow mound sounds great I love barrow mounds. Whoops. Mushroom Grove. Probably not. Bone Cave. Marin's Hold. No, it's a village. Boot Hill. Nope. Stilt Orc Village. Nope. Meyer Castle Ruins. Yes. 1308. Lots of dungeons to explore. Ancient Cairn. 1401. The Mud Pit. 1403. This is probably a waste of time. i have one page to go gray wall priory wolf cave a lot of dungeon opportunities here the cultist camp could have an old chapel all i basically did was write down all the locations that are listed here the corrupted henge that's 1510 right yeah the vile well cool that is a lot of potential dungeons so i can kind of fill any of those out I can add my own maps. I can add my own locations. We can make them essentially, you know, a couple sessions each if we wanted to. I don't think we're going to run all of these, but I think we can. I think we've got we've got room to go. So, let's go back to what we should be doing, which is our campaign notes, and see. We've got our strong start scene, secrets and clues, locations. We have the the the, the Shadow Tower, of Marrow, and the Tower the Tower Ruins of Marrow. NPCs. Rhiann is dead, so we can pull her off the list. She was. She was burned up and shot. Matilda Bauer, Denell Danel Corrent is there. Warren Bullhelm is our redthorn doorman. And I have my gods and factions of the gloaming. There is no Lazy Encounter benchmark, so we do not need to worry about that. In fact, monsters, we're probably not gonna worry about. And treasure, so treasure, we're probably not worrying about here. We're gonna yank this whole section here because they're in the location, but we do wanna take a look at the location again. Today's actual location, which is the ruin, the tower ruins of Marrow. We'll just call it the ruins, the ruins of Marrow. We have our map, as we can see, and we'll, we'll, we'll bring up, where's my owlbear? So there's the actual map. And so, what what are in these places? And this is what gets into my question of what is a shadow dark dungeon design like and how different is it from traditional dungeon design i think the answer is it's not really that different you have a locate and i think i think a lot of the ways that i build dungeons which i'm very comfortable with fit this style but there's probably one area that doesn't so when i think about building out a dungeon i just went through that list of dungeons so what would i do if i was going to build out another one of those dungeons so the first thing you need is a map I want to have a location. I go to Dyson. I've got a thousand maps. Dyson has a thousand maps available. I go find a map that resembles what I'm looking for and I go with that. Then the first map that I see that fits the kind of situation, I use that map. So you have a map. You then have a history of that map what what used to be going on there long ago and what's going on there now so those are two layers that we put on what's happening there today what happened there before what's the history before what's going on there today those are those are two two questions that we ask about the overall location not specific locations but the overall location but both of those help us fill out specific locations then we write out what's going on in each of the rooms. Usually one line can do it. One, not even one line. A couple words can usually tell you what's going on in any given area of that map. And we write that down. And what do I do it, and this one is, for example, because I, I, numbering is a pain in the ass. So I don't number them. I just kind of list them out. And I say, like, we have a decrepit cellar in the old storeroom, murdered cultists in the looted storeroom, the preparation room. Then I have this central underground chamber of worship. Like, these are all the things that I did when I went through the place to see what was going on here. And I'm going to go review this again because I might want to change it a little bit. So we have what each room is. And then in my traditional style of dungeon development, I have three types of encounters, I think. Encounter type one are fixed encounters. What encounters occur in a location, period? There's, there's things that are there. There's inhabitants in that room, period. And they're only in that room. And that they don't move around a lot. Then I have then in shadow dark i think and i kind of i don't usually do this actually in my dungeons because i don't really use random encounters in my dungeons but you have random encounters which is after so much time has passed you roll to see if a group of monsters shows up in a particular location shadow dark makes sense they do that a lot with shadow dark and then i have these sort of what was i referring to them as i had a good they're not fixed encounters they're movable encounters and the idea of a movable encounter is you have a group of monsters or you a group of inhabitants and they could be in different chambers. Now, maybe they move around because inhabitants move around, but maybe we're moving the MacGuffin. And an example would be, I don't think I'm going to do it in this one, but an example would be, we know that we want the characters to get the idol. We know that the idol exists in a certain chamber in this room. Now, what if I put it in the furthest chamber in the room? It could take them forever to find it. And maybe we're all getting bored and maybe we just want the dungeon to be over. And then maybe I move that to a new location. We call that the moving MacGuffin in, they call these keys in Numenera, right? This idea that you have movable keys, you have keys that are required to move the story forward or move the whole campaign forward or whatever. And you can put that wherever you want. You can decide where it goes. An example would be, if we're looking at this map here, I could put it in this chamber down here to the south, right? That looks like a good chamber where the, where the idol would be, right? The, uh, the idol of the Marrow Lord would be sitting on this pedestal in this place. But what if instead it was here in this pool? It could be there too, right? It's reasonable. That it could be in either of those locations. What if the spiders took it and they've got it up here and they're worshiping it? right? I can move it where I want it to be. I can decide where it goes. What if I like, you get really bored and it's down here, right? It's like buried in this rift. I can move it wherever I want. Is that bad? Is that putting your finger on the scale and changing things? Is that, you know, are you violating the principles of a dungeon where the characters are using their wits to figure out where things are because you're moving the MacGuffin around? Some would argue, yeah, some would say that's, that's you know, you're, they're, they're, all the choices are false. Like all of their decisions about what direction that they're going in the dungeon are false. If you're moving the MacGuffin to wherever they happen to be going or not going, right? What's the point in making those choices? You're, you're, you're peeling the pack. And that's a good argument, right? That's not, that's not, a, that's not a foul argument. The, the other side of the argument is why are you making players go through boring ass stuff when you can just move the MacGuffin and make things more exciting and interesting? So I don't think there's a right answer. And I think we each have to kind of decide where it goes. I always like to think of things like that as like a spring. You probably want to have one location where it goes, but as a GM you are, you have the duty to make, to help try to make a fun game. And if making a fun game means I'm going to move the MacGuffin to make the game more fun because we're just tired of crawling through this thing then you can move the MacGuffin, it's okay. But otherwise you should assume it's going to be in a certain place. That's the same way I think about like changing monster hit points on the fly. I'm not a fan of like hit points are completely arbitrary and you don't even need to pay attention to them at all. I like to know what the average is, but I might shrink them a little bit if I think it's going to be more fun in the game. It's got a little spring. It's a dial with a spring in it and it springs to average. It springs to a certain location, but you can turn it and maybe it turns harder if you go further in the dial. So that's the way I feel about it. But I, I feel like the, the intention of Shadow Dark is that you have fixed encounters and, and we can we can dissect these design ideas by looking at Shadow Dark dungeons we can look at dungeons that kelsey has designed and say what what was her process for thinking about this what's the what's the outcome and then what can we assume about the process and i think that the outcome is it's and typically this is how everybody tends to think of dungeons Or many times that you have basically two kinds of encounters fixed encounters and specific locations and random encounters which occur randomly and that's it I kind of have this other third one of movable encounters. The idea that you might have certain groups that could exist in different places, but we can move them around. And the example for this location is like I've got my tower locations here. So let's take a look through these because I actually need to run them today. I've got a game to run. They've already found the decrepit uh, cellar and old storeroom. They already found the murder cultists. They're in the preparation room. They have got into the preparation room. That's where they found dead cultists here that have been killed by the green knights and then the wasps burst out of the bodies we have a central underground chamber of worship with mounds of dead burned bodies melted right melted bodies melted bodies and signs of battle uh, i think so an example of a moving mcguffin one of the things is like where is the archway tomorrow do i want to put it in this chamber here which could work uh, I could move it further to the south and have it down here, and that like the archway was buried under the ground and dug up by the marrow cultists. That that would be cooler. I think I like that. I think I like that better. There's a chance they could miss it, and that wouldn't be great. I kind of want them to find the to find the archway. And I think so. I have the shattered archway of the marrow lord was over on this side. We'll say shattered megaliths. So we have shattered megaliths over there. We have the high priest chamber and the high priest audience chamber. Then we have the Ettercap layer. I'm going to change the Ettercap layer to archway, the uncovered archway to marrow. Then we have the well of marrow. We have sacrificial prison cells and we have the spider layer, which is up here. This one will turn into an Ettercap layer. Inhabitants. We have six outer caps of fixing thin lines of webbing across a passageway with some some with some halflings that tumbled inside. We have star- sharp stalactites that fall with even the slightest vibration. Where did I get that from? I wonder if I made that up. We have spider swarms. We have and then so this is a fixed encounter, right? This last cultist will have like the, 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 the cult high priests turned into ichor oozes, which is in Curse Scroll page forty-seven. Let's take a look at that. How tough are they? oozes are level three they do two tendrils so i, I my question is like is, is two or three better so if they're level three that would be pr- easier than a than a five than five characters see this is where okay so here's where i'm like gaming the system right i want to create a particular type of fight i want it to be possible for them to defeat it if it's one creature it's going to be pretty e- pretty easy even though it's doing two attacks, even though it does a D6 each, there's five characters that are going to beat the crap out of it. It only has 15 hit points. Two of them, however, might be too hard. So I could do two of them with slightly fewer hit points. And that would be that would be closer. And I think that's what I'm going to do, right? Is that violating the principles of Shadow Dark? Maybe a little bit? Because like I'm building the monsters around the characters, kind of changing their hit points around a little bit but I want to have that kind of boss fight, right? And I, and they're the ones that are guarding the idol. The Icarusers are the ones guarding the idol. So some other... Now, now, one thing is like, do you want to make your own list of... Do you want to make your own list of random encounters here? So we could like spider swarms, undead green knight skeletons. Are there oozes? Monsters. It must be oozes, right? It's ochre jellies. Those are level four. Woo. So an ochre jelly actually would be a better, because it's got more hit points. Oh, but it chops and splits. Do they have a gray ooze? They have a gray ooze. Do I ever use gray oozes? I don't think I use gray oozes. Spider swarms, undead green knight skeletons, gray oozes. What else would be down here? Giant spiders? Etter caps. What else? Could have a nice one. Lost explorer. Lost bandit. Red thorn? Lost redthorn bandit. So we have our own little like quick random encounter table that we could use if we want. That's a little bit better than rolling the random encounter tables for ruins because you get some weird stuff. But we could do that too. Yeah, we could, we could, we could figure that out, but I think that's probably good enough. So yeah, but that's, that's kind of where I get torn in following the design of Shadow Dark and my own style of play. And that is that I usually have my hands on the dials more than I think this game intends for you to have your hands on the dials. So I should I think my idea is to kind of take my hands off the dials a little bit and and go with that randomness. So like spider swarms, like how many spider swarms should there be? Is it two to three like what two to three? How many swarms of spiders might might one find? Do they have spider swarms? I don't even know. Yeah. Spider swarms are level two. All right, so that's pretty tough. So probably I have one. And giant spiders are level three. We probably would only wanna have maybe one to two giant spiders, right? Undead swarms or undead green knight skeletons. Let's look at skeleton here. They are level, wow, they're level two as well. So I think we'll do like 1d2 on all these guys. An Ettercap would probably just be the one. We could do an Ettercap plus a giant spider. And one red thorn gambit. So that, that that feels right. Yeah, I feel like I. I mean, so I feel pretty comfortable with it. I I do I do constantly wonder and question. Like, am I? Do I have my hands too much on the dials? Is a big question that I've got. But I think I think we're I think we're fine. I think everything's fine. And uh, and we'll see. We'll run. Let's see, I can move this to my old session notes. Oop. And I think we're all set. One thing I gotta do while I'm thinking about this, I'm gonna change this cover and upload upload a file from my Shadow Dark. Friends, I want to thank you all for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my Sunday, my Sunday Shadowdark game. If you enjoyed this show and you want more stuff like this, the best way to see all of the stuff that I do is to subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. It's absolutely free to sign up. You get a weekly RPG-related email sent directly to your inbox with links to all of the other work that I do, and you get a free adventure generator PDF. You can also support me directly on Patreon. Patrons get access to all kinds of exclusive materials, previews of upcoming products, a dedicated Discord server, a monthly Q&A, and a whole lot more. It's very reasonably priced and you can pick up any of my books including return of the lazy dungeon master whose steps i use to help prep this game the lazy dm's companion which is full of random tables to help you build your adventures and the lazy dm's workbook which is like a the book that sits by your table while you're running your game to help give you the tools you need to improvise your game thank you all very much have a great day and get out there and play an rpg